If you have your Bible this morning, we want to turn to Luke 14.33. Luke 14.33. What will it cost you is the name of this sermon. I wanted to ask you if you remembered, this has been a number of years ago, it was on TV, I saw it, they had Ted Turner on TV talking about his divorce from Jane Fonda. Do any of you remember that? Did you see that on TV? He said, well, she became a Christian and she didn't even talk to me about it. Well, now Jane Fonda is not one of my favorite people. In fact, she's way down the list, way down the list. But I thought it was interesting that uh, this had happened like it did. At that time, Ted Turner, I don't know if you remember this, but he, he had bought a lot of barren land all over the United States and a lot of barren land all over the world. And I think I read that he individually owned more land in the world than any other single person. And he was real rich. He had CNN and all that. And uh, he was just in everything. And it cost her. You know, when they got a divorce, it cost her. I mean, this guy had uh, had everything. And uh, they broke up. Well... What has it ever cost you to say you were a Christian? What what has the cost been? What what do you think uh, it will cost you in the days that are ahead? Have you lost any friends about it? Have you lost a job because of your faith in Christ? Have you lost some good relationships with people in your family? That happens a lot. Family relations can certainly compete with the claims of the Christian life. We all know that. Sometimes the closest members of our family can resent our faith the most. And they get after us. They chide us and they make fun of us and they do this and they do that. Perhaps your family has made demands that conflict with your responsibilities to the Lord or at church. What will it cost you? In the case of competing loyalties, Jesus says that we must be willing to affirm the interests of the kingdom of God. We must choose to support the cause of Christ to the point of being ready to die for it. If that's what the situation demands, be willing to die for our commitment to our Savior. The first test is at the crisis of belief. You must believe God is who he says he is. And God will do what he says he will do. When you believe those things, you're part of the family of God. Well... Once you cross that line, you really, really believe in the Lord. You come to the second turning point in your life. You adjust your life to the will of God. 
Some people quickly say, well, I don't know what the will of God is. You know, I have always believed that the vast majority of the will of God is in the Word of God. Now, doesn't that make sense? I think it does. Once you believe in God, you demonstrate your faith by what you do. Some action is required. We're all supposed to do some things if we're a part of the family of God. When you make adjustments in your life to conform to the will of God, it can be costly to you and to those around you. Noah could not continue his life as it had always been when he started to build that ark in his front yard. I mean, he was building a gigantic boat in his front yard. The Bible said it had never rained to this point. And, you know, they, the people just didn't understand. He's building this great big thing. Is he crazy? He must be crazy. It doesn't look like a house. You know, he's crazy. Can you imagine the, the uh, critique uh, that he got from almost every individual anywhere around there. The skepticism, the harassment that he got from his neighbors is unbelievable. Moses could not stay on the backside of the desert herding sheep if he was going to challenge Pharaoh at the same time. Those two just didn't go together. David had to leave the sheep and quit being a shepherd before he could become the king of the land. It cost him something. Peter, James, and John, you remember them, they were fishermen. They had built up a fishing business, big business. They were doing well. Jesus came by, and they walked away from everything that they built up. Here were their boats, their nets, all this stuff. All the fishing material that you needed. They just turned and walked away from it. They lost everything. What will it cost you? It cost them everything. They followed after Jesus. Matthew had to leave his very, very lucrative job of being a crooked tax collector. He lost a lot of money in that deal. I mean a lot, a lot. You talk about a cut in salary. He really had that. Paul had to completely change the directions of his life. He had been a persecutor of the Christians. He had had some of them killed. He had had some of them maimed. Uh, I mean, he just, he just had been so against the Christians at every point. He tried to undermine what they were doing. He tried to put some in jail. He tried to have some killed. And then he was converted. And he became a Christian. And he started going to these Christian meetings. Now, can you imagine the reception he got when he went into those buildings? I mean, here's a bunch of people. Maybe some of them, their brother, their father, their cousin, had been killed because of Paul. And here he is walking into their meeting of Christians. I mean, if, if some hadn't stood and said, now this is Paul, we know that some of you have real 
antagonistic feelings toward him, but we want you to know that he is trusted in Christ, and now he's one of us. He's a believer. We want you to stand with him. Uh, he's going to be a strong voice for the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, I bet it was real hard for those people that had lost loved ones. Once you believe in God, you demonstrate your faith by what you do. Action is required. Let me ask you again. What does it cost you to be a Christian? All of these people that I just mentioned made enormous changes in their life. I mean, totally changed. They made all these adjustments to their daily schedule. Some had to leave their family. Some had to leave the whole country. Others had to drop prejudices that they had. And some had to change preferences that they had. It was real hard. It's real hard. Some of them had to change their life goals. Each one of them, however, learned that adjusting one's life to God is well worth the cause. The cost is high for some, but it's well worth it. If we know what we're getting in return. Have you ever sat down and t- uh, took a pencil and paper and, and written down the blessings of being a Christian? Have you ever done that? Very interesting to do that. What are the good things that come my way because of me trusting in Christ? Well, when you're a Christian, you know with great assurance that you're going to be with God in heaven forever. That's number one. That's the biggest one. That takes care of eternity. I mean, that's real important if it takes care of eternity. And it does. Uh, the future uh, we worry about, you know, our future here. But when you trust in the Lord, you follow the Lord, those things tend to gradually kind of slip away. Your destiny is settled. That's a wonderful, wonderful feeling. You can have a lot of peace about that. That's the best thing probably that happens when we become a believer is that we know that God is with us and we're going to heaven forever. You know, uh, Social Security is a very important part of the income of many of the folks in the room here. I know it is in, in our family. Uh, you know, we, we want to get that. You know, that helps. Well, have you heard all these programs that are talking about us losing our Social Security? About because of our unbelievable debt of $20 trillion, there's not going to be any money for our Social Security, and they're going to stop doing it. I've heard that from a lot of uh, different sources. And, of course, that's upsetting to me because that uh, really helps us. Have you heard them say on TV, I've heard this two or three times, that the financial system in Chicago is such that all those people that were school teachers and principals and and all those kind of jobs in the school system, that there wasn't going to be a retirement for them, that that was going away because... They were so far in debt, they just couldn't pay it. 
Well, I think about all those people for crying out loud, thousands and thousands and thousands of people in Chicago that would be without their main source of income when they retire. Be horrible. Horrible. Well, you don't have to worry about any of that, of course, if you're a believer, because the Lord's going to take care of all that. It's going to be better than you can ever imagine. Not only here before we go, but there when we reside with Him in glory forever. Number two, you will never again be alone in the now of life. Never be alone. You know, people say to me fairly often, I I just felt all alone. Well, you're never alone. You're absolutely never alone. The Lord is with you, is within you, is beside you, is in front of you, is behind you. Every day, every moment of your life from this point forward. When you trust in Him, that's one of the things that happens. You have an ongoing personal relationship with a living, I want to emphasize, living Savior. Now, the Buddhists don't have that. Buddha died. The Muslims don't have that. Muhammad died. They're dead. Uh, You know, there's a lot of other groups where the guy that was the main guy is dead. But Jesus is not dead. He's with us. He walks with us. He's within us. Number three, you have a clear purpose in life. Now, that's a real blessing. You know, a lot of people, they never figure life out. Uh, Every two years, they change jobs their whole life. Some of them, it's every year. You know, they they just can't get on a track, so to speak. They just kind of amble around. They just, they can't, can't quite get it together. Well, you want to have a clear purpose in your life. That's important. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says you're supposed to love God and love your fellow man. That's your main purpose. Love God, love your fellow man. That's real simple, real clear. You know, it's right there. It's right there. You can lead people to faith in Christ and help them develop in their faith. That's real important. I wish every one of us could give ourselves to that. If we would do that, it would change the world, of course. Number four, as you are forgiven of your sin, you can have a feeling of cleanliness. That your heart and your mind and your soul are clean before God and before man. Now, I like to be clean, don't you? I'm really into cleanliness. I take a bath every day, no matter what, every day. If I get dirty during the day, I'll take two baths. I believe in being clean. You know, spiritually, think how great it is to realize that the Lord has forgiven all of your sin, every one of our sins, forgiven. And we're clean as we stand before Him, as we stand before others. It's wonderful. Our guilt is gone. We don't have any guilt. Because we have confessed our sin. We have been made clean before our Lord. That is a wonderful, wonderful thing. That's on the list of blessings that we have because we became 
a Christian. Number five, we have uh, answers to life's perplexing questions. Why am I here? You know, every person in the room ought to know that. Why am I here? That's important. You know, you you need to kind of pick out something that you're going to do, something that you're going to be involved in, something that's going to make a difference, something that's not just wasting your time. That's important. Why am I here? Where am I going? You want to know where you're going. That's very important. You know, some some people just kind of throw their life away. They they chase a goal that they can never have. They just throw it away. Their life. You know, some people give their lives to minor things. Things that, that are really not significant. Things that, that don't make any difference. Twenty minutes later, nobody cares. I had a friend. This, this is going to get me in trouble. I know it is. Uh, I had a friend that collect uh, baseball cards. And he had uh, thousands of them. And he would trade and he'd buy. and I mean, it was like the main purpose of his life was to get the right baseball cards. And I never said anything to him about it, but I thought, good night. This, now, if any of you have done this, please don't tell me. <laughs> I don't want to know. I... I thought, you are just throwing your life away. This is ridiculous. But that's what he did. I asked my wife, Cindy, about the blessings of being a Christian. And she told me of a great moment in her life. I want to tell you. She became a Christian at 14. Uh, She had been a rebellious girl. She was on drugs. She was selling drugs. Uh, it was uh, bad. Two elderly people who worked at the children's home that she was sent to as a 14-year-old led her to Christ. She looked into the mirror about a week after becoming a Christian. She looked very closely into the mirror. And she knew as she looked into the mirror as she looked into her own eyes, that Jesus was inside of her and that he filled her life with joy. Now, you know, that's significant. That is very, very significant. You know, it's important. It's important that we have the blessings of becoming a Christian. What is it going to cost you? Well, there's a lot of blessings. We've just been over A whole lot of them. If we trust in Christ just to secure our place in heaven, and we really don't want to change much about the way we live our life, then we're always going to be baby Christians. We're never really going to mature much. If we don't ever want to change what we were doing before we became a Christian, we're going to be a baby Christian all of our life. Our tendency is to want to skip the adjustments that we need to make when we become a Christian, we want to go directly from believing in Christ to having the blessings of Christ. We want to make that step real quick. 
His ways are so different from our ways. So very, very different. The only real way to become a mature Christian requires a lot of adjustments in our life. We have to change this little thing, tweak this little thing over here, uh, forget this fairly large thing over here. Uh, we have to begin to do things the Lord's way, not our way. God might ask you to adjust your circumstances. You might need to change your job, get a different job. You might need to change some relationships. If you are running with a cursing immoral, totally worldly crowd. What you need are some good, strong Christian friends. You really need that. Now, you know, I know a lot of people, they run around with the wrong crowd. They're never, never going to get it all together in the right way as long as they're doing that. you got to have some strong Christian friends, some people that you can sit down with and, and just tell them the, really the most uh, secretive things in your heart and kind of talk it over with them and then pray about those things with them. If we all had that, we all would be further down the road. It would really be great. God may want you to change some of your thinking to drop some of your prejudices, to raise some thoughts about your potential. The Bible says we can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth us. Isn't that wonderful? God may want to firm up some of your commitments to your family. Maybe that's kind of fallen by the wayside. They need you. If you're the older, if you're the grandfather, the father, the great-grandfather, you need to stay in touch with all those people. You have a responsibility to teach and to lead. That responsibility never goes away. You want to keep that up. God always wants his people to pray and study his word and to serve. We all need to serve. We just started a thing a couple of weeks ago in our church about uh, dealing with the folks that are members here that uh, are homebound. And we have a lot of them. A lot of homebound people. Some call them shut-ins, people that are home all the time. They can't get out, can't get around. We are trying as best we can to line every one of them up with members in our church so they will have somebody checking on them fairly regularly, someone that will pray for them, someone that will be with them during some hard times, maybe during a surgery or this or that, maybe the death of a relative, something like that. That'd be a great, a great ministry for so many of you. We, we really want everybody that's a part of our church family to be a part of our life, not to be, you know, kind of put over to the side and forgotten about. We want to keep them right at the heart of our prayers and, and our thoughts as the body of believers. The Lord wants your beliefs to be rock solid, not shifting with every wind that blows. Perhaps God wants you to attempt something beyond what you can do yourself. You know, a lot of us just do the things that we know we can do. Maybe God wants you to do something that you got to have his help to do. You get his help, and you can do unbelievable things. You can do almost anything. 
Jesus doesn't want mercenaries as disciples. You know the mercenaries, if the going gets rough and the the tide kind of turns against you, the mercenaries will run away. They'll leave. Jesus wants crusaders. He wants people who really believe in the cause. People who really want to be his disciples. One of the great things about Jesus, he never leaves us, no matter how fierce the battle might be. Any adjustment God wants us to make, any battle that God wants us to fight, is for our own good. You know, if we'll do those things, it'll it'll bless us. It'll help us along life's way. God probably doesn't want you to go to the jungles of South America and eat locusts. That's probably not his goal for your life. But he does want you to be willing to go if he calls you. He does want that. I love a quote by Jim Elliott, who was a missionary to a tribe of Indians in South America. I'm sure you've heard this. It's one of my favorite quotes. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. That's an important quote. For every one of our lives. Are you willing to give up everything for God? You say, well, I don't want to do it today. You know, that's not on my schedule. You know, there are a lot of people, a lot of people, it's amazing how many, that really are willing to give it all up for the Lord Jesus Christ. You, You have to focus on God to do that. You have to keep the main thing the main thing to do that. Bob Pierce was one of the founders of World Vision and Samaritan's Purse. He had a quote that is so powerful. He said, Lord, let my heart be broken by the things that break your heart. I love that one. If we want to do everything in our own power, in our own way, for our own purposes... We're not even a Christian. We're not even a believer. We need to be willing to lay it all down if that's what's necessary. Let me conclude this morning with one more great quote. This is quote sermon day. Uh, David Livingstone was a famous 19th century missionary from Scotland. He gave his life making Christ known to the folks in Africa. I hope his words of commitment will inspire you to follow Christ no matter what the cost might be. He said this, Lord, send me anywhere, only go with me. Lay any burden on me, only sustain me. Sever any tie, but the tie that binds me to you. Are you tied in that way to the Lord Jesus? I hope and pray that if you're in the house this morning, you've never tied that tie to the Lord. We want to give an invitation, an invitation for you to come and to join his church, to be a part of his family, to begin to serve. If you haven't been serving, we want you to serve. We want to give opportunities that uh, will help us to grow spiritually 
to be more like Jesus day by day by day. If you've never trusted in Christ, today would be a great time to do it. I can't think of a better time. If you've been visiting with us, Cindy Martin, who's been visiting our church, joined in the early service today, great gal. She came down strongly. You know, I want to plant my life uh, for the Lord Jesus. Well, if you're here, you want to do that. You want to join the church. You want to be a part of the workings of the body of Christ. We want to invite you to come and to do that. Not just think about it, not just kind of put it on a shelf, but do it. I hope and pray that you will. I'm going to stand right down here at the front. We're going to sing a hymn of invitation. If the Lord leads you, just slip out, slip forward, take a stand for Christ today. Let's stand together as we sing.